Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome Back to That's What People Do. You're joined with me, Ryan McGowan, as always. And opposite me is always James Kay. Good day. It's good to be here. Hello, buddy. It's been a little while. It has, a whole month. Uh, first of all, we need to address... Uh, we missed last week's episode. Unfortunately, we had a technical issue, which meant we completely lost the episode. Um, so we are going to re-record that, and that will be coming out on the 24th. On yeah. December, Christmas just Eve. before Christmas. So it's usually they go out. Miracle. Right, Christmas miracles happened. Usually the episodes go out every Friday, but we're going to push it back a little bit, and it's going to go out on the twenty fourth, just before Christmas. So you can get your little. That's what people do. Fix before Christmas. And um, yeah, I suppose we can start cracking on. Uh, one thing I will say, just you know, in uh, adding on to you know, obviously we missed last week. Thank you very much to everyone who's been so so understanding about us having missed the episode. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and we really appreciate you, um, you know, not killing us, basically. And um, It was a very sad day for us as well. Oh, I was gutted. So James messaged me and said, I'm so sorry, dude, like, we can't use it. It's It's gone. Like, if I was to give an example, it would be, like, me talking uh, this, it, and uh, it would just, like, every other word was just cut out, and whether it was a problem with our recording equipment, we're not sure, we've tested it. So if I come to edit this episode and it's the same, I'm going to cry, because all the tests went absolutely fine. So yes, we will make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, and thank you guys for being so understanding. Uh, so, it is still December. It is. It is running up to Christmas. There is eight days left for oh. us right now. I haven't done all my shopping. I've finished. Have you? I've done. I finished all of it yesterday, which, uh, well, at the time of recording, will be the 16th. So I finished all my Christmas shopping on the 16th. Today is the 17th, and this episode goes out on the 20th. I've done... Two people. I don't know what I'm getting for the third. Oh, but there's so many more people. How many people do you have to get for? See, my family's not a big gift-giving family, so I'll give to everyone that lives in the house. So my parents and my brother, and then uh, both sets of grandparents. Oh, okay. Then like aunts and uncles, we do like a family gift. My grandparents, is kind of, my mum gets it, and we all come un- under that umbrella of we all uh, got fair. it. Um, but I, I've got just everyone in my immediate family. So like my, my girlfriend, my mum, my sisters, done. Fair. Easy. Fair. Do you go, like, 
How do you do with... Pre- uh, do you know, we could probably save this for the next episode when we talk really, like, going to in-depth Christmas... Christmas chats. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, all right, we'll save it for then. Uh, look forward to that next week. We'll discuss <laughs> our Christmas habits. How we react to Christmas uh, presents. But, as I say, uh, it's now... At the time of this episode going out, for you guys listening to right now, it is the 20th of December. There is literally five days left until the big day. And I'll be fucking balls deep into work. I'm working every day from Thursday to Christmas Eve. <laughs> I've I've got... Uh, I'm off now uh, as of the 23rd oh, really? for Christmas, nice. which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I am going to enjoy Christmas with my family. I'm not looking forward to it. I've got extended hours as well. Didn't even ask for them. As always. Why do why do companies do that? Extend the hours. They didn't even tell me. I just found out by myself. I was like, oh, right, I guess I'll go fuck myself. That's Bastards. fine. So sticking in with the Christmas spirit. We're getting Christmassy. We're running up to it all. I'm going with the man who makes Christmas what it is, Charles Dickens. Now, Charles Dickens is very, very famous for doing many, many plays. Uh, not plays, uh, stories. Yeah, which have stories. been made into plays, which I are suppose. now plays. Yeah, and uh, musicals. One of them is A Christmas Carol. Yeah, the big uh, one. And I will talk about that later on. Good. But we're going to get into Charles Dickens. All right. Myself. So, Charles John Huffam Dickens, which I had no idea those were his two middle Huffam. names. John Huffam. Huffam. <laughs> uh, he was born February the seventh, eighteen twelve, in Portsmouth, in nice. England. I had no idea he's proper southern, like proper yeah, southern. Yeah, that's as south as you can get. Do you know what I find with there, there, there is a different like. Uh, for that, people who aren't from the UK, you may have heard this north-south divide, but if, for even people in the UK, it's very, very complicated. So I'm from Essex, which is the east side of London. So where you've you got London, just to the east of that, there's this county called Essex, and that's where I'm from. I'm classed as a southerner, right? But anyone southern than that either doesn't come under that umbrella or just gets ignored. So when I think of Portsmouth, I don't think of southerners. But they're more southern than I am. You see, to me, like, if I was to refer to you as to where you're from, I'd call you a Londoner. I know you're not. I got a lot of people. But that's call what me a I Londoner. would say. Yeah. Southern to me is anything below London. Bristol and Bath, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what you are. Uh, yeah, Bristol and Bath. They're, to me, they're southern to me as well, despite being they're in line south, with London. They're southwest. Yeah. Uh, I feel like London is London's its own little thing. London is its own little thing. Uh, and, and anyone sort of close to the greater London area is a Londoner is a Londoner yeah. slash southerner yeah and that's it I get called a northerner despite not being a northerner no you're from the Midlands I'm, a, I'm the mid I'm from the I'm not a southerner I'm not a northerner I'm I, I knew someone who called me Mr. London Mr. London yeah she's not from London so she was like when I thought when I think of London and I hear your voice that's London to me yeah and I was like I then got known as Mr. London I was like but I'm not from <laughs> London I have what's called an estuary accent, which is a mixture between London and Essex. I think to the untrained ear, it's a London accent. Yeah, to the untrained ear, yeah, I probably sound as London as they come or whatever. Yeah. Um, but even in then, even in London, there's different types of accents. But yeah, hey, we're, we're, we're going on. We digress. Dickens is the epitome of Southern. You can't get more Southern than Paul's. No. I suppose you could actually... No, sorry, I'll go off on a tangent here, man. <laughs> Try and talk about Dickens. You can get more Southern than Portsmouth, and I suppose that's called the Isle of Wight. Yeah. And then you could possibly go even further than that, and that's Guernsey and Jersey. Yeah. Which that, are just off the coast of France. They're right next to France. Right despite next to it. us owning them. It's, it's are a they whole North thing. France? When you're so south, you're north. I think they're just British islands, aren't they? British Isles. I suppose, yeah, if we go that, Falklands is the most southern. Yeah. <laughs> that's hotly disputed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's from Portsmouth. Charles Dickens was born 
February 7th, 1812, from Portsmouth, okay? He's the second of eight children to be born from his parents, John and Elizabeth Dickens, all right? That's a lot of children. That's a lot of children, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a lot of children. I can imagine having eight kids. But I mean, they do always say, have as many kids as possible, because then the chances of one of them becoming famous and sp- like paying out your mortgage... Well, we, we kind of we, we kind of briefly went over that with the Lawson family massacre in that we were saying in that time you had as many kids as possible because the chances are half of them would die. Yeah. So you need at least one of them to live. One of my I did my family tree a while back, and someone on my mom's side had the thirteen kids. Wow. No, I think it might have been fifteen and thirteen survived. Fifteen kids. There was a lot. I can't remember. It was double digits. There was a lot of fucking. This kids. is the thing, right? I don't get it, girls. You all lot complain about how much given birth to a human being hurts and i'm not disputing that no i, I can't imagine pushing a grapefruit through my penis i can't imagine it no right i don't want to I imagine that would hurt quite a lot if i had to imagine it if you forced me to i can imagine that would hurt quite a bit so why do you go and have 13 of them i suppose to be fair when you get to maybe eight you don't notice it <laughs> it just falls out yeah like but then i think con- like safe sex isn't a thing back then like to have sex you run the risk of having a child but is it worth it is sex that that's what i mean as a bloke i'll never know but is sex for a woman that good that it's at that time anyway is sex that good that it's worth going oh do you know what i enjoy it that much i'm willing to push out a grapefruit again i guess i don't know <laughs> don't know <laughs> imagine i don't know i mean it's pretty good for guys but maybe i don't, I don't know why do you do it why do you do it i don't know so yeah, he was the second of eight children. I mean, we're going off. I've not even got it from our first paragraph yet, and we've gone on too many tangents. This is a long fucking. It's going to be a long one. We may even make this a two-parter. You'll know if we, we do or not. We'll, we'll decide. As we we'll go. decide as we go along. We'll find out how long we've been recording for, and we'll just split it down. Uh, where was I? So his parents is John and Elizabeth Dickens. Okay, his father John. He was a payroll clerk for the Navy. Uh, his mother Elizabeth, I'm going to assume she was a housewife, as I was just not able to find anything about her having a job. Well, and in, with... the, in those times, I don't think women were allowed to work, really, were they? Yeah, there's, I, I, I think they might have been allowed to work, because there was lots of women in workhouses, we'll find out. But yeah, I think it's yeah. like, if you're of that middle class... You don't have to. You don't really need to. Yeah, yeah. Particularly because John had a nice steady job. He was a clerk, yeah. counting money, and, and she's paying to... people in the Navy. You know? She's got to raise the kids. That's what I'm saying, yeah. She's, he's doing all right. She doesn't really need to get a job. Um, I did find out that both of them um, were very, very social people. They're almost like socialites in a way. They love to party. They mm. love going to gatherings. They love going to like balls and everything. Elizabeth, she was so so, so much of a fan of going to balls. She was pregnant um, at one stage and then actually went into labour and had Charles at a ball. She Why enjoyed not? them that much. She, she was like, I'm having no pregnancy. Stop me going from balls. She's on it for the sesh. She was on it for the, She lived for the sesh <laughs> so much so. She was like, I'm not going to stop a baby. I'm gonna, I imagine she had the baby and then had a sherry afterwards as well to calm her nerves. Like, it was like, yeah, probably. Oh, oh, that was done. Give me a sherry. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to drink now. Oh, maybe that was a thing. Women, women were allowed to smoke and drink whilst pregnant back then. No one really knew how bad it was. No, but I think infant fatalities were uh, a lot higher as well. Yeah, but that's not the cigarette's fault. It's <laughs> that's not, not that's the alcohol God's fault. work. That's God's, it was God's work. Whereas like now, you see a woman having a fag, having a drink, and she's pregnant, and she'd be like, well, You're not even supposed shunned. to have caffeine, are you? Is that right? Yeah. I believe, I believe this to be right. Uh, don't at me or at my mum, because I don't think it wasn't her fault. But I swear she told me when she was in labour with me, She'd lost so much like iron in her blood or whatever that like she was allowed to drink pints of Guinness. 
Maybe. I don't know. I think that's true. I think she told me that that was true. I mean, if, if, or I've heard her wrong, but I swear she was like, yeah, the nurses were just plying me with pints of Guinness to like give me iron. Well, I'm you're I'm pretty sure there are I'm other ways to do it. You're a functioning human being, <laughs> so fun- it didn't... Functioning human being. I don't drink that often, so maybe yeah. that's worked. She, she could have had like a massive steak or something. Oh, I'd love a steak. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway, all this socialising, it costs money, yeah. right? And the Dickens were not shrewd spenders. John, he liked to dress well, entertain friends, and buy expensive books and furniture. Because, like, books was a big thing then. It's like buying a Blu-ray DVD now, I suppose. Like, buying a big book. It's yeah. expensive. You buy, like, steelback copies or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff. The library was your Netflix. Library was Netflix. Oh, that's so right. Why don't I ever think of that? Mm. Library was Netflix. Do you want a library and chill? <laughs> 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 well, that's what's when like you see it in like um, American uh, teenage programs and like, oh, do you want to come to my house and study? <laughs> we know yeah. you're not studying. Study. You're not studying. You're reading the Karma Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, right, John he was transferred to London and was earning a nice steady wage of two hundred pounds a year, which cool. is about it's about fifteen k now, which is yeah yeah about fifteen k a year, which is like your average. Steady income, right? Fifteen k. No, is that that's not? really low? Is that low? Yeah, that's like I would say that you could get by on fifteen k. You could get by. I don't earn fifteen k a year now. At what cost? Like fifteen k for me? Like I don't like. I think the average you you want above twenty k ideally. Mm, I suppose you're right. Yeah, I mean, I people was in Australia 18s. are currently listening, fucking pulling their hair out because I think their minimum is like twenty pounds an hour. Well, people in Scandinavia are just going mental because they're like, "What the fuck? I, I earn that in an hour." And the Americans are just sitting there. I think maybe like that—that's fifteen k today, but in today's money, that's not a lot. But maybe back in there, it was a lot of money still. Do you know what I mean you could buy a lot for that? Yeah, I d- yeah, maybe I don't know how the comparative works. But yeah, it's really honestly, it's really difficult scaling up money. But fifteen k, you, just, you go online and you're like, right, history, history, money calculator, please, and it's like typing how much it is, and you're like, okay, it's this much, and they go, well, that's that now. Well, actually, that was fifteen k in two thousand eighteen. I'm pretty sure the job we both shared paid sixteen k a year if you completed all the hours. Is that right? I think so. Let me let me quickly you can do some quick maths. Two plus two is four minus fourteen, 15 k. And um, we were paid pennies, if you think about it. Okay. Mm, so what was he earning before? Either way, I'm, if I've got it wrong, I've got it wrong. He was doing well for the time. He was, I think he was doing very well for his time because he, he was able to afford these sort of you know furniture, yeah. fancy furniture and furnishings and whatever. He had kids, he had a house, he had his wife didn't get a job or all that sort of stuff. Anyway, so he's balling, right? As far as I'm concerned, he's balling. But he was not able to sustain the Dickens' lavish spending habits, right? Mm. Um. John was terrible with money, which is somewhat ironic, considering he was a payroll clerk. Yeah. Like, he pays people, he he stashes money, he hides, like, and he's terrible with money. Mm. He began to fall into debt and started to borrow money from family and friends to support himself, okay? Oh, dear. That's yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's a slippery slope. His debts eventually caught up with him, and he was sent into debtor's prison. Have you heard of debtor's prison? No. Uh, there's a museum in London called the Prison Museum. It's actually genuinely quite interesting. Uh, and they show that in uh, it's in I think I've walked past that it's in Southwark I think or I, no I don't think it's in Southwark it's near Blackfriars I think um, I think I've seen it yeah you can walk towards it there's an old like ruined cathedral there as well mm. church um, uh, but yeah it's really cool and they show you there's debtors prison so if you go into debt and you can't pay it off yeah. instead of like going to court or whatever and then go bankrupt yeah you just went you Good went prison. to debtors prison 
until you paid it off. Oh. But because you're in prison, you can't pay it off. So you end up just stuck in prison. That's a but your system. family get moved in with you as well. That's the system doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And they've got this little um, uh, sort of reenactment going on in the museum of people like with their hands outside the bars, which are windows, yeah. uh, basically begging for money. And they're like, people just have to give them pennies or whatever. And eventually they'd start paying it off. Fuck yeah. Hell. But also in prison at that time, you had to pay for your luxuries. So if you wanted like floor, like hay on f- straw on the floor, you paid for that. You wanted food, you paid for that. You paid for everything. So if you're in debtors prison, you're fucked. Well, the system doesn't work. Yeah, the system was like proper bad for you know prisoners, and debtors in particular. So they went into debtors prison when Charles was only twelve. Okay. Now John would send little Charles to all of the friends and family to continually ask for more and more money. Mm-hmm. But the problem is John isn't paying them back because right. he can't afford to. Oh dear. So he's borrowing money from one friend to pay the other friend and vice versa. So he's continuously borrowing money, never really paying it back and continuing to try and live his normal life. Yeah. That's not good. You need a bit of austerity. Do <laughs> um, we? Yeah. <laughs> We're set for another five years. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's sending Charles out to the friends and family to ask for more and more money. But, you know, funny enough, they're not being so charitable now and they're saying no. Yeah, because he's not paying them back. Yep. They're not willing to help. John owed at the time it's forty pounds. At that time, it, that the, it's I imagine difficult. that sounds like it's forty pounds in that time's money. Yeah, which apparently is quite a lot now. Yeah, that sounds like a lot now. Considering he was earning two hundred pounds. Yeah, and he's got a debt of nearly a quarter of that. Yeah, so that's quite a bit of money. Um, I think, I think, I think, if I got it right, it's about four and a half k now. Yeah, I mean, if someone asked me to pay four and a half k now, I'd be like, no. I can't. I can't. Sorry. I can't even pay off my overdraft. So my, I paid mine off recently, and it's the most liberating fucking feeling. I look forward to the day I can do that and close it. Yeah. Well, I haven't even closed it. It's just there in case I need it. But I'm never university use it again. debts. Yeah. Good old capitalism. Now, like I said earlier, being in prison meant he couldn't work, which would help pay off his debts. Yeah. So he actually sent Charles off. Okay. Charles is now the man of the family. He's twelve. Yep, he good. is the man of the family, Time okay? He's the home. ripe old age of 12. The burden of the family is now on his tiny, tiny shoulders. He was tasked with pawning all the expensive books from the house, all of the expensive furniture, to the point where the house was completely and utterly bare, and that still did not quite cover his debt. Sell the house. Yeah, uh, I think that ended up happening. So, as I say, he was tasked with pawning off all this stuff. Okay? The family, all of the family, were moved into the debtor's prison, except for Charles. So Charles was able to go and get himself a job. Uh, He got himself a job at a blacking factory, uh, which is like polish. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, his job was placing labels on the pots of polish. Nice. Uh, He would work for 11 hours a day. Doing late fucking hell. Yep. Uh, And he'd do it for six days a week. Remember, this is Victorian London. Victorian London is very well known for its child labour. Yeah, to be fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he was only earning six shillings a week, which is about 12p today. Good. Yeah. Good. Good old child labour. <laughs> uh, he wrote of this job saying, My work was to cover the pots of paste blacking, first with a piece of oil paper and then with a piece of blue paper to tie them round with a string, and then to clip the paper close and neat all around until it looked as smart as a pot of ointment from an apothecary's shop. When a certain number of grosses of pots had attained this pitch of perfection, I was to paste on each a printed label, and then go on again with more pots. Two or three other boys were kept at similar duty downstairs on similar wages. One of them came up in a ragged apron and a paper cap. 
on the first Monday morning to show me the trick of using the string and tying the knot. His name was Bob Fagin. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah you recognise the name Fagin, which <laughs> yeah. comes later on in his life. Yeah. Uh, you'll find this a lot with Charles. A lot of the, like his characters or his stories are all from you know, uh, real-life events yeah. or real people he has met, and he's just put them in his books, stories, and we'll go into that a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, how boring does that job sound? I mean, yeah, just even the description even him, of it. Yeah, even his description of it is boring. Imagine yeah. doing that 11 hours a day, Pruh. being paid pittance. It's bad, isn't it? It's awful. So Charles was lucky in that he had actually managed to rent a small room for himself. That's why he wasn't able to go to debtors, but didn't need to go to debtors' right, prison. Okay. okay, he's lucky enough to rent a small room for himself in Camden Market at with the his age wages. Of 12. At the age of 12, yeah. I struggle to rent a fucking room now at the age of 24. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, I say it was himself. He was actually sharing it with two other boys. Right. Uh, so he's got no privacy, no, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, he managed to say to avoid the prison by doing that, but he did go every week uh, to try and help out however he could, but obviously he's only a fuck all as it is, so yeah. there's not much he can do. So it's like, you know, can I help you with this, can I help you with that, whatever he can do, he'll do. So yeah, he wasn't able to help. He hated this time of his life. Uh, he expressing it to his parents in prison, saying how much he hated coming home to no family, no nothing like that. Yeah. Which obviously you find later on in his books, whatever. There's there's a lot a lot of family orientated stuff yeah, going yeah. on. Um. So yeah, he hated that. Luckily for Charles and the Dickenses, uh, John inherited the dad John. He inherited some money from his mother after she died, and that paid off his debts in full and freed the family. Well, it's awful. It's kind of bittersweet, though, isn't it? Go on. As in, like, he's lost his mom, but... Oh, right, yeah, I get you mean, out yeah. Of prison. Yeah, he, he, he managed to, like, what, pay off his debts, get out of prison, but it cost him... His mother. His mother. Yeah. yeah. Well, people die. People die. Especially in Victorian London. <laughs> Damn right. So Charles was, uh, you know, they, they, they weren't in prison anymore. They were doing okay. The money kept, tied them over for now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's just borrowed money, really. You know, it's it's not his money. It's been given to him still. You know, he's not really making any enough to keep up with his lavish lifestyles. I think it's got, got to get back to him at some point, isn't it? Charles was no longer needing to go to work in the factory. He was actually allowed to get an education. Although, for some bizarre reason, his mother was genuinely quite keen on Charles going back to work in the factory. I don't know why. It doesn't. It, it. We don't know why, but she was like, "Yeah, maybe right. she just didn't trust the dad to keep her job or something." I don't know. I mean, it's not like he's making enough to keep the family got tied over as is on his own anyway. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Uh, but she, for some reason, she was kind of keen on him going back to the factory. But the dad was absolutely having none of it. He was like, "No, that's not happening. I'm not having my boy go do that." You know, we're better than this, whatever. So he didn't go back. Um, but Charles never forgot that his mother's suggestion was to go back to the factory. Yeah. Um, and he, he, yeah, he never forgot that. He wrote about it saying, uh, I do not write resentfully or angrily, for I know how all these things have worked together to make me what I am. But I never afterwards forgot, I never shall forget, I never can forget that my mother was warm for me being sent back. From that hour until this at which I write, no word of that part of my childhood, which I have now gladly brought to a close, has passed my lips to any human being told you he fully hated that time of his life yeah fucking hell like he hated that time of his life and he hated the fact that his mother was keen on him doing it again i mean it doesn't sound ideal nah like he's like he's he's like in reading that he's like i understand that by doing that it made me who i am today yeah but i hate the fact that my mother was keen for me to continue to do it yeah 
Like she was like she didn't seem to understand or recognize that it was awful. Anyway, Charles is now 15 years old. He's finished school. He's got a job as a clerk as a, for an attorney. Uh, and it was here that Charles began to delve into the world of writing. Okay, he would observe clients coming in for legal advice, and he would write about their mannerisms and thinking up stories for them. So they come in, maybe have a funny voice, or they did a funny walk, or yeah. their situation and story was a bit odd to him. He would write them all down and like scribble, 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 yeah. and that, he'd use those as, like inspiration for other things to write about later on in That's life. Cool. It's cool, right? You, you know, my granddad. Uh, was a bit of a like a hobbyist artist, and he always used to say, "Draw what you see, not what you think you see," yeah. which I think is kind of apparent here in that he's right. He's taking inspiration from what he sees and experiences, yeah. not from what he's just coming up from his head. That's fair. Yeah, and it makes it almost like a more realistic. You can kind of almost like with with Fagin, you're like, oh, he did always depict the world quite well. Yeah, and we'll get onto that in a bit as well. So. He stayed there for several years, all right, before moving on to the courts themselves, becoming a stenographer, having to learn to write shorthand. You know, stenographers are those yeah. guys that, which is fucking weird. Like that's bad enough, and they have got the little keypads. Imagine being the dude that had to write it before then, and you got ink then. It's not even a ballpoint pen. Quick as you fucking. This is quill and ink, isn't it? That's mental. He's like really going for it, like burning holes in this paper. So, yeah, he's learned to write shorthand, which is really coming handy from later on. Uh, but his dream was to delve into the world of performing arts and become an actor. Nice. Yeah, he used to, um, you know, uh, do fictitious plays with his siblings and whatever when he was a child. Yeah. And he went to the theatre and was just genuinely amazed and mesmerised by the whole experience and just was desperate to do that as well. He managed to actually get himself an audition with a company in Covent Garden at the Lyceum Theatre. Ooh, where Lion King is right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, he fell ill on the day and oh. couldn't attend. And that was his last chance. Oh, bless him. He's never given another chance. Like, this world is cruel. Yeah. It's genuine. It's like, oh, if you don't make it, you've done. I don't feel like it's got any easy for actors either. No, probably not. Um, so instead, he moved into the world of journalism. He's good at shorthand. Yeah. He's good at writing you do that okay yeah um he was writing about court cases and parliamentary cases so he got a general gist of how the world works in that sense yeah now during this time he met his wife um catherine hogarth she was actually the daughter of the editor at the paper i've heard that name before i don't know why. probably because it's charles dickens wife yeah, probably <laughs> but what a baller move is that your editor and you date his daughter yeah that's a baller move. That's big dick energy, though. <laughs> it's proper big dick energy. It's like, ah, oh, nice to meet you, uh, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to totally get it together. <laughs> and the editor's just like, you imagine that? The conversation's like, oh, I found this girl. Oh, God, I bet she's something, something, isn't she? Yeah, she is. It's like, have you seen 22 Jump Street? I think so. No, no is it 21 Jump Street? 22, where Schmidt sleeps with, um, I forget the character's name, but Ice Cube's daughter, but he doesn't realise he high fives. Is this a him. sequel? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the sequel. So, and he high fives him and eventually finds out, and it's so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> My man. <laughs> um, after three months, they were married in 1836, and they also went on to have 10 children. What is. Stop popping them out, people. Like, what else do you do? What else do you do? Funny. Like, no, no hobby. little bastards. They are, aren't they? I was just thinking, was it? No, it's not. I was just thinking like religious connotations, but then at that point you could be whatever you wanted to be. It wasn't like a Catholic or Protestant thing. I was think it? if you're married, you can world your fucking oyster. 
Uh, so anyway, Charles continued to write, but changed it up, writing stories and serialising them in selling sections at a time instead of the whole thing. He was the original fucking like Netflix series. Yeah, right. I'm so glad you brought that up. I genuinely refer to it as Netflix later on. Um, he started with uh, the Pickwick Papers. Have you heard of those? No. Okay. Uh, it's a collection of loosely related stories about a gentleman called Samuel Pickwick and his Pickwick Club that he started. Uh, he is the president of this, and uh, there are various adventures and mishaps that happen to him, and so he releases those once a month. And so like, you'd be like, oh, I'll get the Pickwick Papers. What's Samuel Pickwick up to this time? You know, and then next month it'll be loosely related to the one before, but something else is happening yeah. now. So you can just binge read the Pitwick. It's series. brilliant, right? These stories were released monthly from March eighteen thirty six until November of the next year. But... Yeah. Initially it didn't do that well, but you know, eventually picked up steam and became a huge hit, all right? Dickens' way of releasing his books in serial format is genuinely a genius move, all right? Mm. Instead of fans buying a book, reading it in a day and then forgetting about it. Yeah. Right, they have to wait a month to find out what happens next. So it allows to them it. to, yeah, it, well, more so, it allows them to speculate and come up with their own theories, which keeps his work in the know and current. He's clever, clever man. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's still used today. That exact same method. Yeah, it's, it's it's Victorian Netflix or like EastEnders. Yeah, you know, you you have to wait until the next episode to find yeah. out what's going on, Crazy. which is genuinely really cool. Because like, net, this thing with Netflix, Netflix can be. Uh, accused of doing this and they're actually going to go back on it I think where they would put the whole series on and you know people that binge it in a like 8 hour session and yeah. that's done yeah. you forget about it once yeah. it's done it's done whereas like if you release it week by week you keep people's interest for me I much prefer having them all there because I get fucking I pissed do. off when I'm like oh I'm really into this and they're like wait till next week it's like no yeah. I'm, I'm not waiting I'm like that I would rather wait until a series is finished and then binge it yeah I remember someone Ambulance. Someone did that with Game of Thrones, like the last series, and I just ended up spoiling the whole thing for them and they still haven't watched it. That's that's the difficulty though. People who wait risk spoilers. Yeah. Which is why like, I, I started Game of Thrones when it first came out in 2011. Mm. I was watching it on Sky Atlantic and it was like brand spanking new. And that was me hooked. I couldn't wait anymore. I had to wait week by week. Yeah. Walking Dead it. is the only series I watch week by week. And I fucking hate it. It's shit. But yeah, I have, Dead, so I have to see what happens I started The Walking Dead and I really enjoyed it the first season series 3 was I was like this needs to die the first series was great season 2 was okay that yeah, was the farm good. one wasn't yeah. it which for me got a bit slow it slowed down but then it seems like every series is the same fucking format yeah third one's the prison isn't it's it it's like the first one the first episode you meet the bad guy every episode in between is filler 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 oh god yeah and then like there's like a finale it leads on to the next season where they won't kill the bad guy no he'll come back next season yeah yeah <laughs> i fucking hear it that's so much yeah. who was the dude who was the bad dude when they were in the prison you know the guy with the, the eye governor. patch the governor yeah and it was just like just kill him yeah like i don't i, I hate this and it, the problem is that's what dramas are is that you have to create drama and keep people coming back but like there's so many opportunities where you can just kill someone yeah, in that world just do it yeah. why are you holding back what are you waiting for just fucking do it yeah. and then it's done but they're like no no let them walk away why <laughs> <laughs> I hate that when people do it like <laughs> let them run you're like what so he can go back get stronger and come back again <laughs> which he does yeah why do that I just kill every, him I think every bad guy's done that to it's, be fair the most recent series is okay it's, it's getting better starts monologuing well, yeah. that was that was a little Woody. Yeah, if we've got a, a man bark. about to come to the door and put something through the letterbox, and Woody's about to bark. 
Yeah, my my dog is not. He's friendly, but he just hates people. <laughs> he's a scared dog. You, well, he's you, done very well. He's just gone through the letterbox and he hasn't gone. You okay? You go see. No. Okay. As we were. Anyway. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Charles had 10, ch- 10 kids. Yeah, <laughs> getting back to it. We digress. Charles continued to write, but changed it up, writing stories um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, Dickens, his work is famous, right? We've all heard of Dickens, you know. We have. Sort of, you know, teaching you what to suck eggs about talking about Dickens. We all know who he is, yeah. right? And we all see him, his work every fucking Christmas. Yeah, his work is famous worldwide. His work is still read and adapted today. Oliver Twist. You know, written yeah. 1837, released monthly until 1839. That's like that was it. That was he did that in series. Yeah. Oh shit. All most of his work is all series related. Like that's how he continued to be so famous and so popular. It was it was just serialized. So uh, Oliver Twist, you've all heard of it, but if you haven't, okay, it's the story of a young orphaned boy brought up in a workhouse until he runs away and encounters a gang of pickpockets run by a career criminal called Fagin who we've learnt is someone he knew back when he was in the workhouse days. Oliver learns the tricks and the trade, but he's caught by one man, Mr. Brownlow, who takes in Oliver, treats him like his own son. Okay, While Oliver is out doing errands, he's kidnapped by Fagin's gang and made to help a robbery. This goes wrong. Oliver is shot and left on the doorstep to die before being taken in again. What is it about Oliver? He's like such this angelic little fucker. And they were like, Oh, no, take him in. You're like, this kid will fucking try to rob you. Yeah, a few times. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, yeah, he, he's brought in. Uh, after a time, he makes his way back to London. He's reunited with Mr. Brownlow. They discover Oliver's true parentage. That is, uh, that his dad was in an unhappy marriage, had his end away with Oliver's mother. Oliver then lives happily ever after with Mr. Brownlow. Uh, obviously, I've really condensed this down. It's a terrible summary. Uh, oh, Head to uh, Wisecrack. Have you heard of Wisecrack on YouTube? No. Uh, head to Wisecrack and check out their series called Thug Notes. And it's a guy who just sort of summarizes uh, literature works oh, okay. of art. Um, but he's like this hood guy uh, and he just talks like a G. And it's, oh, really? it's hilariously funny. Um, so, yeah, if you want to know any sort of stuff like that, head to Thug Notes at Wisecrack. They really smash it out of the park with that one. Uh, so, yeah, my way of condensing it's terrible. So, you know, I'm not a literature literature or literary artist in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, uh, I haven't mentioned half of the characters like Sykes or Nancy. Yeah. Um, 
but you know we're not doing a podcast on Oliver Twist or his other works like Great Expectations. We're not yeah. doing that. We're doing it about Mr. Dickens himself. So quickly, I'll go over some other works. Uh, Great Expectations, as I mentioned, it's yeah. a story about a boy named Pip. He lives with his sister and his brother-in-law Joe. One night, Pip is in the cemetery when he comes across an escaped convict who tells Pip to help him. Pip helps free the convict, who is then captured again rather quickly. Uh, Pip is later taken to the home of Miss Havisham. Yeah. Some weird lady, very eccentric woman. She wears a wedding dress all the time. She's never been married. <laughs> never been kissed. That's a song, isn't it? Um, he meets her niece, Estella. Falls immediately in love with her because, you know, he's a little kid. Why not? Estella doesn't feel the same way. She pies him off. He is hopeful that one day Miss Havisham will make him a gentleman and marry him to Estella, but that's not the plan. Instead, he is apprenticed to his brother-in-law, Joe, who is a blacksmith, and Pip hates it. He dreams of being a gentleman. He dreams of being better and marrying Estella. And one day, Pip is given a large sum of money, and he is summoned to London to become a gentleman in training. Nobody knows who gave him the money, but he assumes that it is Miss Havisham. He becomes the man who he wants to be. He makes all his money, has a good old time in London before running up debts and needing help from his brother-in-law, Joe, who he looked down upon once. Mm. Uh, Joe helps him out. Pip ends up coming back to the place that he grew up after his sister dies and he finds out that Miss Havisham was not the source of the money and that it was, in fact, the convict that helped him free him as a boy. Yeah. I think I got that right, yeah. I've, um, I've, I've seen it on stage many years ago and it was the single most boring thing yeah, I, I don't through. think it's been revered as like one of these best, like more fun I th- ones. I'm pretty sure in American schools they have to study it. Yeah, we, I'm pretty sure. What do we study at school in the UK, Dickens wise? Is it just? I don't. I never did. I don't think we did. We did. I did To Kill a Mockingbird, and a lot of Shakespeare. Ah, uh, we did From Mice of Men. Of Mice and Men, yeah. Of Mice and Men. I yes, yeah, I really paid attention. See, our entire school did Of Mice and Men, except Top Set, and I'm going to suck my own dick. I was Top Set. And we did To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I don't know why they didn't think anyone, no one else could do To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, it's not... Like, it's good, but it's not fucking... Lots of racial stuff in there, innit? Kinda. For, like, a chapter. Oh, is it? Yeah. I thought the whole thing was about a black dude on trial. A couple of chapters. The most, the main bulk of it is the coming-of-age story, mostly. That's oh, right. what I perceived as. And the I, film... I just liked Of Mice and Men because Lenny gets shot. No, is it George. I don't uh, know. George gets shot. Lenny George gets shot. He's like, I get to tend the rabbits, and he gets shot. Crushes animal. Yeah, I've, of mice and men. I've been, I've been in the play. Of Quite a bit of murder in that. Yeah, murders that poor woman. I've never really studied it, but I've watched it. Yeah. Anyway. Again, dog. <laughs> yeah, so we are stuck on a tangent, man. So uh, where was I? Oh yeah, the convict. He was the man who helped Pip give him the money. Yes. Uh, you know, when Pip helped free him, he was like, "Oh, that's such a good, nice act of kindness from you." Like selfless. And so he spent like he ran away to Australia, made a load of money, and then sent it back to Pip to make him a gentleman. Yeah. For reasons I don't know. Unknown. Like yep. that's a bit that's above and beyond. You got to give back sometimes, don't you? But that is above and beyond. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's like. I'm going to make all this money. Who for? Some kid I don't know. Yeah, I met him once. What? Got me out a little bit. You're going to make money for the kid you don't know? Yeah. <laughs> Is it yours? No. <laughs> in Jeremy Carr, if the kid ain't yours, you don't do nothing. In fact, when you get told it's not yours, you jump up and down on the stage and go, in your fucking face, you slag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the convict, yeah, he gets captured again uh, after telling Pip everything. He gets sentenced to death. Pip, for some reason, loses his fortune. Uh, it results him going back to his brother-in-law, becoming a blacksmith. 
Um, and then he meets Estella, who is now older. She's now a widow. And for some reason, she's now got the hots for Pip. I don't know why. Mm. But they walk away hand in hand again. That's kind of the end of the story. Sounds good. Why was she like, nah, thanks, mate, when he's like a kid. But when she, he's a bit older. He's a bit of a fuck up. She's like, yeah, go on then. I think as you get older, you just, I don't know. I think in the in the story, Estella's husband is an arsehole as well. Yeah. So maybe she's got a thing for knobs. Maybe. Not in the literal term, but like <laughs> people who are knobs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pip's, in, Pip's an alright guy. Just yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm not going to go over all of his works, but uh, he, here's just a list of some of his well-known works. All right, the old Curiosity Shop, Nicholas Nickleby, David Copperfield, Bleak House, Little Dorrit. A Tale of Two Cities. Have you heard of most of these? I've heard of a few. I've heard of all of these, but I've never read or seen any of them. Bleak House I know of, and Copperfield I know of. I know the BBC likes to do a little Dickens remake every now and then. Yeah. This year they're doing A Christmas Carol. Yeah, with with, fucking... um... uh, Tom Hardy's in it, and the guy from Iron Man 3 is the bad dude. Yeah, what's his name? Guy Pearce. I have no idea. Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce. Is that him? He's Scrooge. Yeah, he's Scrooge. Uh, he looks really good in it. Yeah, it, Have you seen the trailer? It's a three-part series. I really look forward to it. Yeah. It looks cool. Starts, starts this Sunday. This Sunday, which was previous Sunday now. Oh. No, it starts on the 22nd. Oh, the 22nd. This yeah. goes out on the 20th. Yeah. Fantastic. It's the 20th today, everyone. It I have is. to remind myself because it's the 17th today. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the most famous is surely A Christmas Carol. I think that is probably the... If it's on par with Oliver Twist, but probably a Christmas Carol. Absolutely. And considering it's only five days away from Christmas, all right, this is the main reason I wanted to talk about Dickens, just yeah. so we can get to talk about Christmas Carol later on. Uh, but we'll talk more on that later, all right? Because for now, we still got to talk about Mr. Dickens. So Charles's stories are held in high regard for depicting life in Victorian London, as yeah. you mentioned earlier, right? They're full of inequality, criminality, child labour and exploitation of vulnerable vulnerable people. Also a little bit of anti-Semitism, but do we, wanna, we won't touch on that. Yeah, should we say man of the time? Is that an excuse now? I don't... I think in the... I think for old people that are still alive now, it's not an excuse, but I think for Victorian people that have passed, it's an excuse. I yeah, because apparently... I heard something the other day. You know, um, Mr. Lincoln? Yeah, Abraham. Free of the slaves. Yeah. Was like... I don't want slaves, but they don't have rights to be citizens. Mm. He had that sort of attitude. Yeah, he was a Republican, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. But yeah, that it, uh, yeah. Someone said the other day they were like, "We look at all these people as like beacons of, you know, liberty and whatever, like Lincoln and that." But they also lived in their own time and had views of what was going on in their world at the time. Yeah. So they were like, I like, I, I want it to be like this, but I also am aware of whatever. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, um, leave the anti-Semitism alone. <laughs> Christ. Uh, anyway, re- okay, 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 okay. The reason why Charles was very good at this, he was very keen on social issues. All right, uh, he would frequently visit workhouses, mm. orphanages. Uh, he'd visit poor people, insane asylums. Basically, just reported on what was happening in these places uh, because it was good material for his work. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, um, it was a genius way of telling a general, uh, the general public, the horrors that were happening in their world without being too preachy. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Rather than just being like, "This is happening," it's and they're like, like, "I don't give a fuck." It doesn't involve me. So he, he'll write a book about it, and yeah. then they can sympathise with the character. So it's not like journalism; it's 
reflecting the times within it's fiction. more satire i suppose you'd call it it's satire is it satire or is it um what's what's when like you you take what's happening in the world and you turn it into something else that is satire isn't it maybe I'm but you sure. sort of make a light or a joke about a real event yeah satire is more comedy yeah, yeah i suppose you're right um but yeah what he's doing is he's taking what's happening in the world right now and then writing that down in a story format that people read and go oh that sucks and you're like yeah that's what's happening yeah and you go oh damn but that's what's going on that's what he's doing basically he doesn't want to preach to anyone um because he knows that that's not going to work yeah but you know if i can get you to side with oliver who's you know worked in a a, a workhouse and you go that's awful you're like yeah it is yeah look down the road because that's what's happening (laughs) and you go oh damn yeah here's ali uh, but yeah, as I say, they can sympathise with the character that they've followed for months and months. Now, you might think that Dickens was a bit of a cold bastard. He visited all these places and he didn't do anything about it. Mm. But, you know, um, you could argue that his work shined a light on these issues uh, more than anyone ever um, has. The scale of his the problems is just too big for one man to deal exactly. with. Exactly. You know, what's he going to do about it? Like I say, it's, it's man shouts at clouds. And yeah. it, it, it's not much he can do about it on his own. But by writing books, he got thousands of people looking at one or many topics you know in this in this instance um but yeah as i say you can argue that his work has shined more of a light on these issues than anyone ever has he made audiences care more about you know downtrodden folk uh changing their minds and attitudes toward people in poverty uh don't forget charles was once himself a small boy working in a factory as a child laborer yeah so he knows what it's like He, he knows that you know it just takes one wrong step and you can be middle class doing okay and then in debtor's prison working in a factory it's easy people are normal and they make mistakes yeah you know uh he knew how easy it was for good hard-working people to just slip into poverty and have bad luck Mm. you know this is a time where there was a there was a poor law a poor law which stated that anyone living on the street would be taken into a workhouse so it's like like we like we did with um, uh, uh, Vlad the Impaler, there oh, are yeah. no there are no peasants and poor people and beggars in my town because I killed them all. <laughs> They're saying there is no poverty that everyone's in work because I forced them into work. Yeah, like what? Um, sounds very Tory. <laughs> there, there is no poor people. Unemployment is no unemployment is at record levels to be low because I make everyone work twelve hours a day, six days a week. They get one day off. And I pay them 12p. Forced labour camps. If you have enough forced labour camps, there's no unemployment. There is no unemployment in this world because they're being made to do that. That was a law. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fucked up laws, isn't there? But the thing is, they thought they were doing good, but they're like, well, we're providing you with work. And you're like, no, provide me with good work that pays me well that I don't have to do it. And the workhouses, like, disease was fucking rampant. Exactly. They were dangerous. They were horrible. They weren't yeah. very nice places to be in, all right? Um... People in the upper classes also believed that poverty was the fault of the person. You know... Fuck yeah. me, it's, fuck, that rings true right now, How true it? does it ring now? <laughs> there is... In, in the UK, if you're not aware of people who are not from the UK, there was a conservative uh, candidate. Mm. I'm not sure if you made it to an MP, but there was a conservative candidate that said uh, people who go to food banks, which is obviously a place where you can go get they free food if you're struggling, are having money problems. They got a seat. You're like... 
No, they're not having money problems. Yeah. It's life problems. They say the people that use food banks don't know how to manage their finances correctly. That's the one. They don't know how to manage their finances. And you're like, you're a bastard. Yeah, and uh, what, there was another Tory MP that said um, disabled people probably aren't as good with uh, money as everybody else. Because they don't understand money. Yeah, don't understand was, money. They don't understand money There was properly. another, while I'm on a fucking roll, there's another Tory MP that said um, bad tenants should be put into forced labour camps. Literally said that he has got a seat in the House of Commons now. Bad te- oh tenant oh bad tenants yeah should be put into forced labour camps. They should live in tents and these I think his words were they should live in live tents. in tents. I remember live in tents and then they should go and just do some menial work and then go back to the tents. Um, let's be balanced here. Oh fucking Corbyn with his communism. Yeah, communism won't work. Well, he's fucking dead in the water anyway. He's old news now, isn't he? I, I tweeted this out the other day. Uh, Long live the Queen, uh, Jess Phillips. There's so much. Oh, if man. you're listening, Jess Phillips, you've got my back. You know her constituency is like ten minutes that way. Is it really? Yeah. I knew she was Birmingham. Is it south or? Yeah, literally just down the road. Yeah, fairly east. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, we'll probably have a chat about this off the fucking. This is going to be like in a year's time. So outdated. Yeah, but she, I, I, I was supporting her, but now I'm no longer supporting her. We'll talk about that later on as yeah. to why, because I'm, in- I'm genuinely interested to know yeah, why. Yeah. Back to Dickens. Back to Dickens. How long have we been recording for? 46 minutes. 46 minutes. We may have to make this a two-parter now, because we've got a little bit longer to go. Well, you just wrap it up whenever you... Well, what that. we'll do now is... Where were we? So, all right, all right. What we'll do, we shall leave it here. Okay. In this time, people believe that poor people are poor because it's their own fault. There is a poor law that says if you live on the streets, you have to go to a workhouse. Dickens can see this world. He doesn't like it. He's using it as his own experiences. He's using what he sees around him to make his own work. And it's selling. It's selling big time. Mm. People don't like what they're reading some of it. They think this is awful. This is horrible. And he's saying, yeah, exactly. That's the world you live in right now. Recognize it. You should because you're in it. And it works. And it does, you know, later on contribute to helping change. Uh, So he does do very, very, very well. Um, But yeah, that's where we shall leave it now. We'll do part two, which I think is, yeah, we'll, we'll do a part two. We'll, we'll do, do part, part two. two. We'll probably put it out like the day after or something. Or, yeah, or we'll put them out together and you can listen to them as and when you want. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'll have a part two. And that's where we'll leave it now. This is part one of Charles Dickens. Thank you very much for listening. Um, head to all the socials. Instagram, that's what people do. Podcast. Yes. Twitter, at that's WPD. Mm-hmm. Facebook, that's what people do. I think it's either that's what people do or that's what people do podcast. Either way, you'll find it. If you type in that's what people do, or up. type in that's WPD, you'll find it there as well. Yeah. Or email us uh, with on Gmail. Uh, that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us. We've had so many new people follow us and get in contact and leave comments on our pictures and whatever. So, so, so appreciative of it. Uh, we think that's fantastic. I really like that you guys are doing that. Um, I told James the other day, we have a listener in Sweden, in Gothenburg, so hello to you if you are listening. Good old Sweden. And I told James the other day, I'm going to Gothenburg sometime in 2020, I think it might be like February or March, mm. so contact me, <laughs> let's, let's meet up and have a, like, a meet up, show me around Gothenburg, I'll be there with my missus, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening everyone, I hope you're enjoying it James. Yes, yeah, it is interesting stuff, interesting stuff. And we will kick back off in the next episode. Charles becoming a big superstar. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.